listen, put me in the parking lot, you know, um, with bears, and I'll go out there and play. It don't matter. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes. Welcome on in to Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. We got a fun crossover show today. We're talking with a Bama guy. I know, I know. Luke Robinson from Locked On Bama will join us in just a moment. He interviews me on uh, some Auburn stuff, and then I interview him on some Bama stuff, and we kind of keep it talking around about uh, Harson and the recruiting class and, and all that. So let us know if you want more of behind enemy line stuff throughout this offseason. Um, I may do it anyway. It typically does well. I'll typically like it. So we'll touch on that. Also, if you guys have or hear a soundbite from whether it's Bruce or Butch Thompson with baseball coming up or if there's something that Harson has said that you guys thought was cool or funny, um, we got to move on from the KJ Britt sounder to open the show. It's the end of an era. He's no longer with us. We got to move on. But, uh, but yeah, so if you guys have anything, please hit me up with that. Send me a YouTube link or something like that. That'd be great. Man, Luke, always a pleasure to chat with you. Man, you guys are doing awesome things over at Locked On Bama, so pumped to do a... Uh, a crossover, you messaged me Sunday morning and like, hey, let's do a behind in, uh, enemy lines type thing. I'm like, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. So uh, you guys really had a killer week last week when you talk about signing day and things like that. So there's a lot to cover. There is, and that's that's why I thought this would be a good thing. Look, there's so much going on at both schools right now. And, uh, you know, I, I do. I listen. I'm not just sending bullshit here at – I don't know if you edit cuss words or not on your podcast. I don't, <laughs> but uh, I'm not just doing that. I think that uh, I, I listen to your podcast all the time because I do. I, I'm from Alexander city. Sure. So I enjoy keeping up with Auburn because you know, that's my arch enemy. I mean, you got to know the enemy. Right. And um, so that's what I thought we do in this particular case. So I thought I'd start with asking you a few questions about what's going on over at Auburn and, uh, what, what do you think about the new coaching staff? Let's, let's start there. Brian yeah. Harson comes in and, um, you know, he's, he's, he's come in and I think he's been fine so far. I thought the, the signing class was, was good for what he was left with. And I think Auburn fans seem to have a good attitude about the guy so far. Yeah, I think so. And of course, not everybody's going to be happy, but, but what can you do? I think the average Auburn fan is excited with what they've seen so far with Brian Harson. You know, his his introductory presser was on Christmas Eve, and he won a ton of folks over uh, on Christmas Eve. And and I think I think rightfully so. And when you look at the hire and you look at his track record, it's like programs, and specifically offenses, and spe- even more specifically quarterbacks under him, they get better pretty much immediately whenever he takes over and takes over the reins. And, you know, he's a quarterback's coach. At heart, and Auburn fans want Bo Nix to be better so bad, and I think he's going to be the guy that's going to be able to do that. If anybody can do that and kind of fix those tendencies that Bo Nix has kind of put himself in, I think it's Brian Harson. And you talk about the recruiting aspect of it, Luke, and it's like, I don't know what else he could have done. And it's like, you know, with, with them picking up Hunter on Friday from Mississippi, they moved up to 27th. And you look at it, and it's like, well, that's really actually pretty bad when you look at the rest of the conference and the schools that are ranked around them. But I don't know, I don't know what else he was supposed to do given the situation that he was handed. So a lot of three stars committed on National Signing Day. Some Auburn fans that are frustrated are like, okay, 
three stars coming in for a three-star head coach. And I'm like, come on, that's not his fault. That's not on him. I think he did the best that he possibly could in the given situation. Yeah, and here's the thing. There weren't a lot of big fish left, and the big fish that are left aren't going to say, oh, my God, you hired Brian Harson Mm -hmm. from Boise State? Yeah, I got to look there now. That's not the way it's going to be. Um, because he wasn't going after those big fish to begin with. So like the JT Talamalu uh, or uh, a Brian Thomas Jr. isn't going to think, oh, they hired Boise State's coach. I got to look at that. I'm not saying that as an insult. I'm trying to defend the guy saying he just didn't have much of a chance to go after anybody big. And so, uh, but the people that are saying this class is a bust, I, I say give it a little bit of time, but I'm going to flip that around I've also seen folks say this is, given the circumstances, this is the, this is the best we could hope for. I'm also going to say hold off because uh, really this is one of the few times that you can look at a uh, class these days and say we really won't know for three or four years. Usually in recruiting now, you can tell pretty quickly if, if a class is going to be good or not. I swear I don't have any idea what's going to happen with this Auburn class. Mm-hmm. I'm right there with you. And there's a few three stars that pop out to me, and I'm like, okay, I really, really see the upside with this guy. Caden Bridges is probably the three-star in this class I'm most excited about. Um, Mississippi, uh, Mississippi guy, 6'2", 190. He really reminds me of a guy that can get all over the field. I see a little bit of Smoke Monday in him. Now the jury's still out on Smoke Monday to some extent, but I think as far as what you're getting with a signing day announcement with a three-star guy, I really, really like him. Mitchell Jarquez Hunter, the running back. For whatever reason, Auburn's had a hard time getting running backs uh, to, to commit, even though they do pretty well once they step on campus. Joko Willis, uh, a, a community college guy. I'm excited about what he has. You know, and I think community college guys, JUCO guys, are always kind of tough to judge based off of rankings, but he's a guy that's going to come in and have four years of eligibility. Now, his situation's weird because Independence over in Kansas, they're playing football this spring. So I don't really know what that's going to look like as far as how instead of an impact he's going to have. And then look, a lot of Auburn fans very excited about Juwan Gaston, the guy from Carver. He talks about he wants to be the next uh, Steven Roberts who is now playing for the Jags, was a draftable guy, late signing day ad out of Montgomery several years ago for the Tigers. So I mean, there are some guys where I'm like, I look at them and I really like their upside, but there's also other guys where I'm like, I don't really see a clear path for you to be a solid, solid player uh, over the course of your Auburn career. So it's, it's just going to be so tough to see with this class. It's so funny about recruiting because um, I, I'm a firm believer in it. I'm a firm believer in the science of it. Yeah. I know people love to bring up, well, in the Super Bowl today, there are more three stars playing on these teams than there are five stars. Yeah, because there are a lot more three stars than there are five stars, number one. Right. And number two, Um, some of these kids may not even develop till they get to the pros. I mean, you don't know. I think you have to take it in segments. Um, But it's funny, Auburn has been in the top 12 the last, you know, most of Gus's career. Yeah, pretty much all of it, right. The interesting part about that, and here's the thing, I would say overall, Auburn's been about the 12th or, you know, 11th or 13th best team in the country over on average sure, yeah. in terms of performance. So it kind of works itself out recruiting. That's why I believe in it. The teams that get the best players always end up in the playoffs, it seems like. Right. But, um, you know, Gus had kept Auburn in the top 12 a- in recruiting, and Auburn fans are used to that. So what's funny, though, is if you go back and subtract the Calvin Ashleys, the Byron Cowarts, the five stars that were tremendous busts 
for Auburn, the uh, Nate Craig Meyer, somebody like that that just didn't work out, uh, even to a lesser extent, maybe even Austin Troxel, who's always hurt but was a high four star. Sure. Um, you know, you you take those folks out of Gus Malzahn's classes, and all of a sudden they're about where this class would probably be ranked. And I think Harson actually has a bunch of dudes. I, I love Jarquez Hunter. I do. I think that's a great pickup. And yeah. so I feel like I'm like you. I, I would be more optimistic about this 27th ranked class than I would be about some of Gus Malzahn's 12th ranked classes. And I think there, you know, the feeling around this coaching staff that he's put together, especially when you got a guy like Derek Mason. Look, Derek Mason has been able to put together some some pretty solid defenses at Vanderbilt, and he's been able to do it with lesser talent. He's had to develop guys and bring them up. And Harson's the same way when you look at what he was able to do at Boise State, getting guys drafted. Now, granted, his competition level is lower, but the NFL wanted some products that came out of Boise State. And I think that's important when you talk about the development of all this. The biggest, the biggest critique of Gus Malzahn from the average Auburn fan has been development. How much better do guys get from day one to when they either declare for the draft or they graduate? I'm a little off of that. I disagree with most Auburn fans on that. I think Auburn's done a better job putting guys into the NFL draft under Gus than anybody else. But still, that's that, that's kind of the thing. It's like how much better do certain positions get? You know, I think quarterback is kind of something you got to look at there. Linebacker is something you got to look at there. Uh, but I think corners and safeties get better. Receivers... A lot of people say they don't get better. I think they do. And then offensive linemen don't. And so it's like, can Harson come in and build a staff? And I like his staff from pretty much all of the hires. I think makes sense. There's one or two. I'm like, eh, I would have gone for a bigger name there, but it's fine. But I think, uh, I, I think that's kind of the, the hope is I trust this coaching staff. Like a guy like Garner Langlow, who's a three-star guy, but he's six seven two seventy. I've got more trust currently than I would have two years ago as far as this coaching staff being able to develop a guy like Gardner Langlow out of Ocala, Florida. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, look, he he wasn't signing any offensive line, any tackles at least out of high school since, what, 17 since about Austin Trock. Luke, how crazy so is uh, that? 2017 is the last time. Now, they've, they've, they've brought in guys like Tate Johnson, who played tackle, and then you know they were recruited as guards. But I mean, how amazing is that? Is since 2017 they have not been able to sign any guys that were projected to be tackles at the next level out of high school. I mean, that is crazy to me. You know, it it seems like he treated it the way a lot of kids treat their their lunchbox going to school. Like I remember my books, I remember my pencils. You know, the quarterbacks and the running backs and wide receivers, defensive tackles. And you get to school, you're like, oh, my God, I forgot my lunchbox. It's like he got the end of signing class and be like, holy cow, I forgot to sign a tackle again. I can't believe this. Yeah. I mean, does he not have a to-do list that says, you know, all these things to recruit? Like, tackles should be way up there. They're yeah. important. Or or he would just get second to, like, four yeah. or five pretty solid tackles, but they'd all go to Alabama or Tennessee or Georgia or Florida. And it's just, you know, being second – in recruiting, it's you might as well not even rank at all. It doesn't matter. So uh, that that's kind of been the situation as far as the tackles. But you know, it, it is kind of amazing to look at the amount of guys they've put into the NFL at the tackle position. The fact that they put in any without being able to recruit any out of high school is amazing to me. I mean, Jack Driscoll is a starter for the Eagles this year, and that's just that's yeah. kind of crazy. But once again, it's not really a guy that was developed 
under Malzahn's staff. He just was a grad transfer from what UMass, and like, he was probably ready to play in the league then. But still, it's been uh, it's been crazy to see. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at BetOnline.ag. Yes, we know you've heard of them. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. And talking to swing, baseball will be here before you know it. BetOnline covers even the awards and TV shows and reality TV. They've got real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Head over to the website or use your mobile device, betonline.ag, to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That promo code is locked on L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. I want to know what Alabama fans think about Auburn hiring Harson, And then even taking a step back from that, I mean, the coaching staff, the coaching search, rather, was kind of a disaster. And I just want to know, like, the vantage point, you know, from your vantage point, rather, what did that look like? What, what were conversations like around Tuscaloosa? Um, I would say you're right. I mean, I think that most people viewed the search as a, a, an incredible, beautiful disaster. Um, that being said, I don't think Brian Harson is a bad hire. Yeah. I think it was out of left field, just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know some Auburn people that, are, that I consider to be moderately connected. They had no idea that was coming. In fact, uh, we have another show in out of Alexander City called Sports Blitz, and I'm the resident bammer, and uh, the other guys are all uh, OBS, and they, you know, were you know laying down the list of guys they want or heard that are interested or that Auburn Auburn or Target. Mm-hmm. Harson never came up. Right. So in a way, that's uh, uh, kudos to Alan Green for keeping all that under wraps. Um, but I, I say this and I will stand by this. I don't think Harson's a bad hire in the least. Okay. I, I don't, I think he's, I think he's fine. I don't think it's a home run, but I, I feel like it can be very good. The only con- the biggest concern I would have would be recruiting. Um, you are now swimming in a, uh, baby pool full of great white sharks. Yeah. I mean, the SEC is ridiculous. And I think at Boise state, it's a little, you know, you can just approach recruiting differently. Um, you look at what – forget Alabama. Their, their class this year is out of bounds. It's incredible. Sure. But think about think about what A&M is doing. Man, A&M is getting some dudes. Mm-hmm. Um, they are beginning to be a threat. They lost one game last year, and it was to Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I worry about that aspect. But I, I mean this. I swear I think Harson would have been a much better hire for Tennessee. I think, I think uh, a dude who – you know, I always think of Tennessee as being sort of in no man's land. Yes, yeah, in the South, but it feels like Knoxville's so far away from the Texas hot, I mean, the Tennessee hotbed of talent. Um, and it's sort of like Knoxville is the road to nowhere. I mean, they, they don't have, they, they always put like Jay Graham from North Carolina back in the day, or he's Shula from North Carolina, or uh, Peerless Price from California. You know, they always, uh, Peyton Manning from New Orleans, their best players have always seemed to come from somewhere other than than Tennessee. Sure. And I think it would have been great to have somebody like a Harson who's got West Coast connections, um, you know, try and resell, rebrand that program again. But, you know, they're, they're such a mess right now that uh, I'm not sure that would have been the better fit for Harson. It just – Harson would have been the better fit for Tennessee. I get that. That makes sense. As far as though, like – I mean, if you're Alabama and you're just looking at the landscape of the SEC – and your arch rival brings in a guy from Boise State. I mean, what's the threat level there? Um, you know, I, I mean, again, 
it's weird because in a very oddball way, and relatively speaking, Gus Malzahn had Nick Saban's number. Nobody's got Saban's number completely, but Gus was about as successful as you could be against what Alabama has built. I mean, it was him, um, it was him and Dabo that had the most wins yeah. against Saban, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And um, you got to give Gus Malzahn a lot of credit for that. And I've always said this, and Auburn fans hate when I say it because they feel like I'm insulting them, and I'm not. I mean this with the deepest sincerity of a guy who truly believes Auburn is Alabama's arch rival. Forget Tennessee and LSU and all that stuff. I truly believe Auburn is. I respect the program. Um, but I believe Gus Malzahn took the Iron Bowl more seriously than Nick Saban. I think Nick Saban looked at the Iron Bowl the way he looks at a Vandy game, an A&M game, an LSU game. Like, that's the next game on the schedule. Let's line it up. And that's a culture thing, all. though, to some extent, right? I mean, that's – I mean, is. I think Gus Malzahn knew – and I think you could look at 2017 or 2019 rather as a prime example where it's like if he if he beat Alabama at home, which because he wasn't going to win in Brian Denny, but it, it, it would prolong his stay at Auburn because there's still a lot of, lot of the right. fan base that wanted him out. And, you know, there was a rumor going around during the coaching search where it's like the coup that Kevin Steele and the powers that be were trying to, to pull so Kevin Steele could be the next head coach. The, the, the rumor going around was Auburn wasn't supposed to win in 2019 against Alabama. And you and I talked about that the, the, the week following that game about how many things had to go absolutely perfect for that to happen. And it just kind of threw off the timeline for a lot of things. It really did. And you wonder who would be Auburn's head coach now if Alabama had won that game because yeah. you would think Alabama would have a decent chance of getting into the playoffs under that scenario. Uh, I don't think Alabama would have gone very far because an inexperienced Mac Jones and you know a whole bunch of other injuries, missing a couple of inside linebackers. Uh, I think it would have been a problem. But that being said, um, you know I, I don't really know what to make over at Auburn right now. I, look, there, I'm, I'm Auburn's so hard for me to describe because every time I'm thinking Alabama's got a you know a real stranglehold on the rivalry, Auburn always does something that surprises me, so I'm gun shy about it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I look at Auburn now, and I say there's not a lot of reason they shouldn't be good next year. I mean, you got a returning quarterback who, uh, maybe outside of Matt Carroll, the best returning quarterback in the league. I mean, is that crazy to say? A little bit, but I don't know who else it would be. Yeah, there's just not many other dudes out there now. You know, do I think Bryce Young will be better than Bo Nix? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do too. But they're, they're there's no reason that, that's only a gut feeling and just based on high school. That's not based on anything he's done in a game. So well, the situation really- around him is significantly better in Tuscaloosa. True that. So I think that, uh, you know, the offensive line could still be an issue for Auburn, obviously. But, you know, their schedule is, in, is not terrible. I mean, yeah, the trip to AM scarier than it normally is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they go to LSU. Auburn's done well there, though, for what it's worth. They, they have done well there. And it, I'm, that's what I, my point is, is scarier than normal mm-hmm. um, because A&M's gotten better. But uh, this, the trip to LSU, no, Auburn hadn't won there since 99. But, if boy, if they were going to do it, you'd think they'd do it with a healthy Tank Bigsby, yeah. a seasoned quarterback, and, uh, you know, uh, playing LSU in their first conference game right. when we don't – nobody has any idea what LSU's going to look like, right? I mean, they're under federal investigation. <laughs> right. No, you're absolutely right. Today's show brought to you by the best tasting protein bar ever. Yes, we're talking about Built Bar. 18 amazing flavors, including flavors that rotate in and out on their website, depending on when you check them out. All of those have been good, too. If you can get the, the dark chocolate cookie dough when it's available, hop on it. It's incredible. It is incredible. 
Uh, my wife, uh, which one did she have yesterday on the way to church? It was cookies and cream. She's like, I love this. I'm like, yeah, it's really good. It's really good. They've got uh, 12 original flavors, six new flavors, uh, cookies and cream, one of those, carrot cake, apple, almond crisp, coconut, peanut butter, brownies, a personal favorite of mine. All the bars are covered 100% in chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And the big thing to me is they're all good for you, so you don't have to feel guilty for being happy, for enjoying yourself, for indulging in a nice, delicious treat. Also, all the bars, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great for the keto diet. A lot of them have around 18 grams of protein, around 160 to 180 calories. Some of you can get lower calories, like cookies and creams, 130, um, 130 calories, 17 grams of protein. So it's great. Very, very good. Delicious. BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off. That's at BuiltBar.com. All right, let's do talk a little basketball. All right. Um, it's, I, first of all, I'm just going to say two words and you you rant. Sharif Cooper. Oh, as far as what the NCAA did to him? I mean, it was, uh, it was messed Anywhere up. Anywhere you want to go. It was yeah. messed up and borderline racist because, I mean, his, his, his dad wanted to buy him a nice car because his dad works hard and makes a lot of money. And, I mean... God forbid that happen. God forbid you buy your kids nice things if they're a college athlete and then just leave them out to dry. I mean, what a disaster. What a disaster. But I thought it was kind of cool. He got his uh, his debut against Alabama. I think that was fun. He had a chance there at the end to kind of make history. Uh, it didn't really work out. Um, he's actually had a chance to be clutch in several SEC contests, and he really hasn't figured that out yet. But you're seeing him go up in NBA mock drafts. I've got a few messages uh, from listeners of my show over the course of the weekend saying, like, quit talking about his draft stock. I'm like, well, it's important. I'm going to. But, uh, I mean, one of the more electric players that we've ever seen um, play at Auburn. It's been a blast to be able to watch him and cover him. I don't think we're going to get a whole lot of uh, more action of him in an Auburn jersey, unfortunately. I hope I'm wrong. But, yeah, I mean, what, whatever the S, uh, the NCAA did with him, was it was messed up. And then, like, Greg Sankey just kind of stepped away from it. It's like, come on, like your job is to fight for these SEC student athletes and you didn't do it. And the fact that the NCAA is all about like, well, whatever's best for the student athletes, like, no, it's not. It's not. You want to like punish these kids and it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. But Sharif Cooper's been a stud. Um, I, I think it's good for uh, for college basketball as a whole that he's playing. I think it's good for college basketball in the SEC as the product throughout the SEC continues to get better and better and better. I think both Auburn and Alabama are products of of that, but uh, just looking at it, I think um, I expected him to be a better shooter than he has been over his first season with the Tigers. I think that's going to be something that may hold him back a little bit from entering the NBA draft, but I'm a big proponent of, dude, they're going to draft you regardless. They draft guys all the time that can't shoot early, so you go get your money, but um, yeah, all in all, I mean, Sharif Cooper's been a man. He's been really, really fun to watch. I just, I wish more of his threes fell, and I know he does too. Yeah, I, I definitely think he's gone. I mean, I, there's no, there's no reason to hang around. Look, the NBA drafts on potential. I mean, they draft dudes who average seven points a game. Yeah. And here's the thing, man. I hate Sharif Cooper's at Auburn, but I love watching him play. He's I'm, fun, I'm, man. He's a fun dude. He's, he throws, uh, his his alley-oops and um, his really his injury passes his, his court vision this I'm going to throw it way back Zach I'm not sure how old you are but you may not remember a guy named Sherman Douglas who played at Syracuse many moons ago with Derek Coleman and in the mid 80s I think 
Um, good Lord, I loved watching that kid play. And sure. um, that's, that's exactly who he reminds me of to an extent. You know, yeah, he's a little slight. Yeah, he could probably – I mean, it'd be better if he were a little taller. I mean, so what? It, he's going to the league. He should go to the league. Yeah. And he's going to be a ton of fun to watch when he's at that level. Um, you're right. He's his uh, he's had a chance to be clutch a couple of times and a couple of you know in that Alabama game specifically. I think he pulled up uh, from somewhere around Byron's barbecue and, and shot a three pointer <laughs> that was a little ill advised. But against Ole Miss, even though Auburn lost at the buzzer, he was pretty clutch at hitting a three pointer. Yeah, it bounced and went in, but it still went in. Right. Right. Yeah. No, it went in. That's all that matters for sure. What is uh what's been up with uh with Alabama lately? What lost two of their last three? I mean, granted, they've lost against good teams, but is that a is that a case for concern at all? All right, we talked about this, Jimmy and I did on Locked On Bama. I'm gonna tell you we needed that loss. And it, that's one thing about basketball that that uh is good and bad. I, I, you can lose a game like that. Actually, Alabama went up in the Ken Palm rankings after that loss. Here's the thing. If Alabama just lost that game by 22 or 30 points, whatever they were headed to lose it by with about 10 minutes to go, I think it's a horrible loss, and I think it's a, a harbinger of things to come. But because Alabama made a comeback, and, and honestly, Alabama had the ball down one. They have two opportunities for Herb Jones to win the game. It doesn't come to fruition. I personally would have gone to somebody else because Herb's been notoriously beaten up. But I would have gone to somebody else. But that's neither here nor there. They have the shot. They made a huge, incredible comeback. And because of that, I think it becomes a good teaching moment for Nate Oates to say, look, here's the deal, guys. That's When y'all play and, and with no energy, you're going to get blown out no matter where we go. If you When you start playing the way I want you to play, then you can beat anybody. And that's, that's as evidenced by the huge comeback they made. So here's the catch. Alabama wasn't going undefeated. This team is good. I mean, they're they're really good. But they're not Gonzaga or Baylor or somebody like that. But after that, you know what? It's a crap. After those two, it's a crapshoot. Sure. Um, you have no idea who's good. And somebody like Michigan, who's been awesome, well, they just post postponed activities for, I think, either another week or two. Mm-hmm. You don't know what they're going to be when they come back. So my point is that if you just hang around, if you're Alabama, and get one of those uh, – you know, get a, a good two seed away from Gonzaga or Baylor, or God forbid you get a one seed, um, you're going to have a chance to make a run if if you can get your head on straight. And now Alabama's got their next four games at South Kakalaki, home against Georgia, at A&M, and then home against Vandy. You got to – if you go 4-0 there, the, the, the uh, conference is over. You've won it. And now you just sort of sit it in cruise control and, and try to get Bruner healthy and, and things like that. The, what I'm worried about is going to South Carolina and, and dropping a game like that and Missouri continuing to stay hot and all of a sudden Missouri's nipping at your heels. Yeah, I was surprised by the Missouri outcome. They were 12th when they played Auburn a few weeks ago. And I just remember watching that game and I'm like, I don't think this is a top 12 team, but it may have just been them being on the road and, and having an off night. But that that outcome surprised me. But Auburn's not going to be able to beat anybody right now with the defense that they're playing. And it's 100% having to do with motivation. And Bruce Pearl talked about it. He talks about it all the time. It's like, what are they playing for right now? Because, you know, you got the postseason ban. You can't win the SEC tournament. You're out of winning the SEC regular season. And it's like, okay. What are you playing for? Because you can always sell the pitch of we're playing for next year for so long. And 
I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, they've got a bunch of teams that they're about to play that they are more talented than or better than or have beaten earlier in the season. But the last three games are tough. You, 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 got, you got Georgia. Nope, you don't have Georgia. You have Florida and you have Tennessee, which will both be ranked when they play Auburn. And then you wrap things up playing Alabama. And I'm hoping the motivation comes back when you're playing and hosting top 25 teams and then going on the road to take on a Tuscal- you know, a team in Tuscaloosa that's probably already won the SEC regular season at that point. And so I'm hoping that motivation returns when they play these better teams again because you saw it against Missouri. I'm hoping that comes back. But until then, it's like, I don't know how you get pumped up to play Mississippi State. I don't know how you get pumped up to play a really bad Kentucky team or, you know, you go to LSU. I I just don't know where that motivation comes from as far as Auburn playing defense consistently. So, I mean, this season could go one of two ways for the Tigers. And I'm, I I don't think there's any way to really predict what it is because there's no veteran leadership. The oldest guy on the team is Jamal Johnson. And he got, he lost his starting spot last week. And it's like, I don't see him being that. What's that? And he's a transfer. He is a transfer. Yeah. I mean, he's been there a while, but he's still a transfer. You know, what does that look like? And so, can one of these true freshmen step up and be a leader in the locker room? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Um, but that's going to be kind of a situation that I think we're going to have to watch moving forward. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and tell you a couple of things I, I thought about that. First of all, Missouri under Quanzo Martin, and I think this was true when he coached Tennessee or to- coached Cal or, or anywhere he's coached, um, they are a threat to beat anybody anytime or lose to anybody anytime. Uh, they got blown out at home against Tennessee, and then they went to Tennessee and blew them out in Knoxville. I mean, that's 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 just the way Coach Martin is, uh, and Missouri is going to be. So, I mean, I think nothing says his coaching style more than he's up 25 or at one point against Alabama, and then he almost blows the game with 10 minutes to go. I mean, that's hard to do. Yeah. Um, now, here's the other thing, and I, this is not me uh, kissing Zach Blackerby's butt, I promise you. I'm worried to death about Auburn coming to Tuscaloosa in the last game of the year. I wish that game weren't the last game of the year. I wish it was the second to last, third to last, fourth to last, anywhere. Because, see, that's that game, that's going to be Auburn's Super Bowl. I agree. I 100% agree with you. And and so, I'm now, if Alabama's already won the league, I'm going to care less. But if, if, if that game's important and there's nobody in uh, – Coleman Coliseum that like that not everybody in Tuscaloosa is taking the vaccine or something. Then if we just got a bunch of cardboard cutouts, <laughs> I'm worried to death mm-hmm. <laughs> because uh, that's going to be something that's going to be a hard game for Alabama to win. Again, if they've already sewn up the, the SEC, okay, so be it. If Auburn comes in there and plays lights out, so be it. I, I can live with that. Yeah. But if, if we need that game and Auburn's going to come in there with like, Hey, this is it, guys. This is this may be the last time you see Sharif Cooper play, so I'm going to turn him loose or whatever. Um, yeah, it's, that could be a problem. Yeah, I'm right there with you because it goes back to motivation. That's going to be a word I use a ton down the stretch here talking about Auburn basketball. And if it's your last outing and you've got a chance to impact your rival who's having one of their best seasons they've had in a long time, like what else do you need to say if you're Coach Pearl? You know what I mean? Definitely. Um, and he is, for the most part, a master motivator. I don't know how in the world Ole Miss keeps beating him because is uh, Kermit Davis. He has Bruce is, Pearl's number, man. He, he is good, the Gus Malzahn to Nick Saban. I mean, that's exactly – it's <laughs> yeah. weird. It <laughs> is. It is, yeah. And, you know, Tennessee's going to be ranked when they play Auburn later, 
And I'm very confident Bruce Pearl will beat Tennessee because that's oh, just no that's doubt. just what he does. Ever since he's gone to Auburn, he's had Tennessee's number. And then Ole Miss has had Bruce Pearl's number. It's 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 weird, man. It's weird. Auburn has always struggled playing Ole Miss in basketball. And it's just it's odd. Even when they were, you know, uh even when they won the SEC regular season, and then the next year when they went to the final four, it's like Old Miss always gave them trouble. It's weird. It's really weirdly weird. And of course, the the Rebels swept the Tigers this year as of Saturday. So, yeah, really, really odd, man. Dude, this has been fun. I always appreciate chatting with you. We should do this more often. All right, buddy. Yeah, let's do it. We'll keep in touch. And uh, I was going to say that giant sucking sound you'll hear when Tennessee and Auburn play is going to be the sphincter tightening of Rick Barnes because he oh, seems gosh. to always wet the bed when they play, you know? Oh, my God. <laughs> Sure. No, I, I listen to you and Jimmy fairly often, two or three times a week. And um, no, some of the sayings and the one-liners you guys have, like what you just said, they crack me up. They absolutely crack me up. People probably think I'm crazy because I'm I'm pushing my nine-month-old daughter around our neighborhood in her stroller. I'm just laughing all by myself. They're like, that guy is crazy. That guy's a crazy person. <laughs> and I blame you guys hey, for that. Man, I've got... I've got four kids. If there's anybody that knows that uh, kids will drive you crazy. If you're pushing a nine month old, they're like, no, he's not crazy. He's got a nine month old. <laughs> so, uh, cause I've had four of them. So fair enough. I know a little something about that. that's going to do it with our crossover with uh, Luke Robinson with locked on Bama. Once again, hope you guys are okay with a little Alabama talk. I think it's important. I think it's important. And I think I shifted a lot of the conversation to being about Auburn just from a different perspective, which is good. I think that's good. Let us know if you want more of that. If there's a specific school that you want us to do that with, reach out. Would love to know. You can follow me on Twitter at Z Blackerby. Reach out that way. You can reach out through the uh, the Locked On Auburn hotline, 205-502-4285. You can call or leave a voicemail. I'm going to need y'all to blow that up over the course of the offseason. I'm just saying. We should have Butch Thompson on the show on Thursday. Just a heads up, that should be coming up. And uh, we'd love to have you join us tomorrow. Tomorrow's a Charlie Tuesday. Charlie 5 will join us, of course, from The Bunker. We'll see you tomorrow right here on Locked on Auburn.